Hello. Thanks for joining us on the dark side. Oh, you're welcome. I'm your host, Brianna. And this week, Dyson is joining us, if you didn't hear. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> We've got the fire going. Mm-hmm. A festive Christmas cookie candle is lit. Yep. And delicious wine is in our bellies. There's a lot of effort uh, to set the mood today. So if your cockles are not warmed, they should be now. They should be nice and toasty. They better be. It's yep. the Christmas season. It's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And, and since it's almost Christmas, we decided we'd keep it festive and lighter than usual. Hmm. The research for last week was a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this week, it'll be a little bit more laid back. So Dyson, I'm going to tell you all about Christmas and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Oh, shit. Usually you guys knock on my door first. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Fuck that. We're really going to talk about Christmas, though, but not only about Jesus. All right. We're going to talk about the origins of Christmas, spooky traditions, paranormal happenings. I'm going to touch a bit on everything. We're going to keep some of Jesus in Christmas. Well, yeah, a bit. By having this intro mentioning Jesus. And that's uh, pretty much the extent of it. Happy birthday, Jesus. Dyson, do you know anything about Christmas and where it comes from? I would say I know some about Christmas. I do know that um, it's a, it was a Christian holiday. Was? And is a Christian holiday my... <laughs> I I always pick a demographic that's just gonna come out and knives at me. Um, okay. you know, last time it was the the elderly, and now it's now it's the me. Christians. That was me. Yeah, I agreed with it though. Whatever, I stand by it. <laughs> my podcast, my opinions don't come from me. But yeah, I don't I don't know a ton about Christmas. I know the the OG Christmas story with the three wise men, but that's pretty much it. Quote unquote OG. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we're here for, because I'm going to get started with a little bit of history. I think it's interesting. A little dark, a little spooky. In pagan times, Mm -hmm. December 25th marked Yuletide in Northern Europe and Saturnalia in Southern Europe, where people celebrated the arrival of the winter solstice. Both celebrations included feasts and gift exchanges, but Yuletide was a bit darker than Saturnalia. Northern Europeans saw the season as an opportunity for the dark forces of the night to create mischief and believed that ghosts and demons were liberated during this time. Oh, hell yeah. In the Celtic calendar, December was the month of Samhain, the most haunted time of the year. Ghosts and spirits were said to start work on December 6th and continue through December 20th. As the sun's powers began to regenerate, the atmosphere was supposedly more conductive to spirit activity, resulting in all types of entities and making the season full of supernatural danger until December 25th arrived and neutralized their powers. Wow. (laughs) That fucking metal as hell. That's dope as fuck. (laughs) So cool. So since we're talking Christmas, you're probably wondering, hey, where's Jesus in all of this? Where is Jesus in all of this? Hey, Jesus, where are you at? Sweet baby Jesus. Well, 
Early Christianity celebrated Easter and the resurrection on December 25th, not Jesus's birthday. But in typical fashion, around the third or fourth century, the church tried to replace paganism with Christianity. Gotcha. The church made December 25th the birthday of Jesus and began demonizing those that didn't follow this new belief. Oh, demonizing. I get it. (laughs) It's clever. To the people originally celebrating the winter solstice, it was about the sun's regeneration and emergence into their lives again. But Christians made it about the sun, a time of year when Jesus, quote unquote, entry into the world signified a continual rebirth of humanity each year. But at the end of the day, we're talking about people who have had this established faith for years. So it was hard for the church to completely rule over their traditions, which is why fuel Yuletide and Saturnalia rituals became intertwined with Christmas. So until the relatively new invention of Halloween in the 18th century, Christmas dominated over every holiday when it comes to creepiness. Wow. I love it. Right? Yeah. It's so cool. I want it back. <laughs> oh, did I mention Halloween? You did. I did, right? So yes, speaking of speaking of Halloween, trick-or-treating actually comes from a Christmas tradition popular in the Middle Ages. People celebrated the quote-unquote holy day by getting drunk and disorderly. Yeah. The Lord of Misrule would lead the rest of the group to rich people's homes and demand food and drinks. If the rich didn't offer a treat of some sort, then the unruly group would play a trick on them. Wait, hold on. Like they hit them with snowballs or like is it a little more dastardly than that? I mean, it was the Middle Ages, so it's kind of like the dark times, right? (laughs) Oh, they, (laughs) they they get creative with it. Most likely. Probably flung poo. (laughs) <laughs> i don't think they even knew how dirty that was back then so all right no, it was up until like even what like 19th century and they still flung shit out windows yeah we're in the middle of a pandemic people so don't fling poo never no wash your hands you know even if you wash your hands really well there's still like traces of poo on your hands yeah, i can taste it <laughs> <laughs> cut that cut that cut that cut that cut that is that what the smell is <laughs> probably yeah spooky christmas traditions were prevalent right up and into the 20th century but are really dying out in western societies today some remnants of spooky history remain for example in the 1963 hit christmas song it's the most wonderful time of the year check out these lyrics There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of christmases long long ago Oh. Scary ghost? Yeah. Scary ghost stories? Yeah, how'd I miss that? Scary ghost stories are in reference to a Victorian Christmas tradition where families would gather around the fire on Christmas Eve, safe in the dark warmth of their home, and tell ghost stories. Since Christmas is when the veil is thinnest and the door to the other side is wide open. So, do you want to hear a Yuletide ghost story? I do. It's, you know what? Already... When we started this, mm-hmm. you know, my bells were already, they were already jingling, but at this point, I think they're ready to be ring ting tingling too. So give me some of that veil. Let, let me know about this. The thin veil will do that for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
I'll do it for you. Here Thank we go. On a night in early December of 1878, resident Edward Smith, his wife, and two tenants are in their gorgeous Greek revival house at 136 Clinton Avenue near the Brooklyn Navy Yard when Edward hears his doorbell ring. He opens the door, but no one is there. He goes about his business, and again, the doorbell rings, and again, no one is there. This happens several times that night but each time with a slight escalation. It's not just the doorbell ringing now. At the same time the doorbell is rung, the two rear doors of the house are being aggressively rattled and banged on. This ruckus was starting to disturb his wife and the tenants. But in typical no-nonsense late 1800s fashion, Edward concluded that it was only the wind and headed for bed. That was not the end of the disturbances, though. No. They continued every night from that day on. Edward couldn't ignore them anymore, so he decided to sprinkle flour and ash outside the front door. But no footprints ever appeared. Okay. Edward called the police, who agreed to spend the night, and even though they witnessed the mysterious knocking, doorbell ringing, and rattling, they could not determine the cause. Now the police were also frustrated, so they decided to set a trap the following night by having numerous officers hide around the perimeter of the house. That night, the bell rings again, but when Captain McLaughlin swung the door open, there was nothing. Mm. Suddenly, a brick crashed through the dining room window, despite numerous police officers keeping watch over the path running beside it. Beyond frustrated, a police detective thoroughly investigated the house, essentially ransacking it, in hopes of finding some sort of internal mechanism that could be producing the supernatural occurrences, but he found nothing. And and it pissed him off. I know, he was like, we got all our men out here. We're wasting resources. We're wasting time. What sort of spooky shit is happening? It's 1878. We're not a fan of it. Yeah, his ego is at stake at this point. Oh, yeah, if you're Captain McLaughlin, you got a big ego. Yeah. There was nothing that anyone could find or point to that might explain what was going on at 136 Clinton Avenue. Now, the house was being inundated by onlookers and spiritualists who were begging to be let inside to perform seances and conduct their own investigations. Edward was having none of it and didn't want anyone in his home. But the spiritualists were not deterred and began conducting, quote unquote, semi-seances on the sidewalk instead. They're like, we're not going anywhere. We'll just half-ass it out it's here. Like a, it's like a it's like a twist on a vigil. It is. Yeah. Start singing hymns. <laughs> Since Edward, his wife, and the tenants weren't engaging with the nosy Nellies outside, locals began to speculate on the source of the haunting and suggested the ghost was probably that of a lawyer who allegedly died by suicide in the house. But Edward had already decided who the culprit was. Satan himself. Okay, neither of those possibilities are good because one, Satan, right? Well, you Satan. know, like probably the worst demon of the demons. And the other is... The Lord of Darkness. The other is a, a lawyer demon. <laughs> and you can't even bring him to justice. He's going to he's gonna kick your ass in court. Here's a huge question. Jesus court. <laughs> yeah. Is, is the lawyer a prosecutor? 
or a defense lawyer. Oh, he's a defense lawyer. For sure. 100%. He's wreaking this much havoc and being relentless. Yeah. Defense no. attorney. Whoa, show. No scruples were had with this man. Mm-mm. So since Edward decided it was Satan, he was able to drive Satan away with a quote-unquote long and earnest prayer. Got him. The police weren't accepting that the house was haunted by the devil, but they were willing to accept that they had heard and seen startling occurrences and were absolutely certain that it was beyond all human probability that anything earthly rang the bell, pounded on the doors, or threw that brick through the dining room window. That's a hell of a claim from the police. Is that the police? Yeah, the police were like, we don't think it's the devil, but definitely whatever was causing all of this was not of this earth. Yeah, that's a hell of a claim from the police. I'm, I'm shocked. Oh, that they're like on board. Yeah, they're on board for supernatural stuff. Yeah, they, they were. They just, you know what? They were in the house and they saw that shit too. They got scared a little bit. They'll never admit it though. One of them reached for their taser. <laughs> An 1878 taser? Yeah, I, yeah. Probably a billy stick. Billy club. A few of them reached through their billy stick after that one. Billy club. Stick. And just like that, on December 20th, 1878, exactly 143 years ago, it suddenly stopped after a relentless three weeks, and the house was quiet once more. I'm sure there's a hundred Christmas ghost stories I could have told you, but I picked this spooky story because it lines up perfectly with Samhain, the most haunted time of the year. So it's not creepy. That is very creepy. And like, I just happened to come across this story. I've never heard it before. I was just kind of like digging deep, came across it. And then I was researching like obviously the origins of Christmas. And I was like, no way. Yeah, this lines up perfectly. That is unreal. Yeah, when that veil's thinnest. Uh, yes, exactly. Little, little ghouls poking through the veil. Little ghouls. Ooh, spooky. Aren't, aren't we? Aren't we in that mm-hmm. time right now? Yep. You guys seen any ghouls lately? Well, technically, this episode comes out December twentieth. I've seen a ghoul lately. What ghoul did you see lately? Where I was, I was, I was upstairs in my old house. Oh, yeah. Tell the people your creepy little ghoul story, and I'll take a little sipperoo. All right, so get this. I'm at my parents' house, and I have a tendency to pace when I'm on the phone, and so I'm checking my emails on my phone, and I go from run- one room to this other room that has a Victorian nightstand. Picture a mirror with the hairbrush, the little stool you sit on and everything. Think Tons of, that. of antiques. Very, very antique. Lots of dolls. Um, and every door in this house. Needs WD-40. Oh. <laughs> it is loud. Mm-hmm. It creaks like a horror movie door opening. Yeah, you couldn't even find a sound effect to do it justice. No, you really couldn't, but it's it's exactly what you're picturing in your head. And I'm in that room, briefly. And keep in mind, all the windows are shut. All the doors are closed. Um, you know, front door, back door, all that kind yeah, of stuff. And we're on the second floor. In Canada. Yeah, and we're on the second floor. And I turn my back, and I go facing the Victorian mirror, and I'm going to go back into the hallway. And what do I hear but the latch of a brass doorknob rattle 
obviously a click. And I look behind me, and the door is open to a in closet. A, in a room that isn't occupied by anyone. It's like a really nice room, but it isn't anyone's room. It's just there, so no one would have been in yeah. there like rummaging through the closet or anything like yeah. it was latched yeah it's like a guest room and we don't have guests <laughs> apparently i'm wrong about that because mm. the door is open we have human guests and brianna has taught me well so my first instinct was uh not today satan and i just left <laughs> and i just ignored it Damn and i straight. just i my i think out of my mouth came it's broad daylight and i left <laughs> so you know they know the rules too so you don't but, engage with that. That's but, you did the right thing. You turn around and you say, "Mm mm." No, but no, no, not today. No, I do not consent. But, yeah, you would be the first one to die in a horror movie if you walked right up to it, like, "Oh, mysterious door unlatching and opening by itself." Shall I approach? Look, I got two switches though, and my other switch is to go right in there, start swinging. Because how dare it come into my domicile like that? The um, audacity! Your house yeah. is pretty old. They probably think that about you. Yeah, they do. Probably like, I'm sick of your shit. Just come out swinging too. I don't care if it's broad daylight. Well, your parents' house is pretty old. They probably think the same about everyone that's in it. That's a creepy story. It is a creepy story. And it just happened yeah. too, so it's during yeah. the creepy Samhain season. Yeah, it, it, it happened like December. Just a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't that yeah. long ago. Yeah, it, it was after December 6th. I remember you telling me. So... What? Check this out. I went in the pink room and the this fuckery went down. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, when you have your back against something that's just you don't understand, it's uncomfortable. You speed walk out of that room. That's what you should do, yeah. Yeah. You walk like a New Yorker. Out of yeah. my way. Yeah. Head down like you're a woman. What? Straight up. Head down like you're a woman. Oh. You don't want to get cat called. You don't want to get nothing like that. You just head down or tunnel vision. Go. Walk fast. Yeah. Yeah. And there's those two switches. You either ignore it. It's probably the best switch. Party wants to go back and swing okay, at it. So can we just rewind for a minute here? Mm -hmm. So my joke was supposed to be a George Costanza joke, but I forgot about it. I forgot what the exact line was. So I just let it fall out of my mouth and then stop talking. Oh. Oh, I didn't pick up on it. <laughs> Thank you for your creepy story contribution. Yeah, you're welcome. But what's Christmas without some creepy folklore? First up, Icelandic Christmas folklore. The stories of mountain-dwelling creatures coming into town are directed at children to scare them into good behavior. Like any good folklore, it includes both mischievous pranksters who leave gifts during the night and monsters who eat disobedient children. Wow. The creatures are depicted as a family living together in a cave. The Yule Cat. Grilla the Giantess and the Yule Lads. First, we have the Yule Cat. The house pet, or I guess maybe cave pet, 
they all live in a cave. Yeah. The cave pet of Grilla and the Yule Lads. He's a huge, vicious cat who lurks about the snowy countryside during Christmas time. Farmers would scare their workers into thinking they'd be eaten by the Yule Cat if they didn't finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. The ones who worked hard to get it done would be rewarded with new clothes, but those who slacked off would get nothing and be preyed upon by the Yule Cat. Next up, the grotesque giantess, Grilla. The oldest poems about Grilla describe her as a parasitic beggar. She walks around, begging parents to give her their disobedient children. Her plans can be thwarted by giving her food or chasing her away. Originally, she lived in a small cottage, but in later poems, it's said she was forced out of town and lives in a remote cave. Current day Grilla can detect children who are misbehaving year-round. She comes down from the mountains during Christmas time to search nearby towns for her next meal. She leaves her cave, hunts children, carries them home in her giant sack, and devours them. According to legend, there's never a shortage of food for Grilla, and she has an insatiable appetite for a stew made of naughty children. Oh no. Isn't she horrifying? Yeah, it's like the shittiest Campbell's stew you'll ever have. <laughs> a grotesque giantess named Grilla who's described as a parasitic beggar. Yeah, the parasitic part's a little... Ugh. I think that I would honestly cry myself to death if somebody described me as parasitic. Last and my personal favorite. Okay, this is going to be so much fun. I Okay, remember when I was writing the notes and I was laughing? I do. And you're like, what are you laughing about? And I was like, I can't tell you. Oh, yeah. Okay, this was it. I love this. It is. It's my favorite thing about Christmas now. The Yule Lads. They're the sons of grotesque gorilla. And her third supposedly lazy slob of a husband, Lepaludi. The lads are a group of 13 mischievous pranksters with names that depict how they like to wreak havoc. They arrive one by one over the 13 nights leading up to Christmas, and if you're good, you'll receive a small gift in your shoe which is placed on your windowsill. But if you're a disobedient child, you'll receive a rotten potato in your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shitty spud. I was going to say, oh my God, I was literally just going to say a shitty spud. It is a shitty spot. You want to you be good? You get a little gift. Maybe a little piece of candy, a little mm. clementine. Mm. Apparently that was huge, you know, in olden days. It was like so exciting if you got a clementine. Yeah, I went to Pioneer Village and like that was a big deal. <laughs> Don't laugh at my childhood education. Was it third grade? Might have been third grade. It might I have been a little older, which was a little sadder. But Don't tell the people that. That is really sad. Where did you get your education my education came from Holy Cross Catholic Church in Georgetown. Thank that you very was much. high school, so you went to <laughs> No, Holy Cross was my was my elementary school. Oh, you went to a Catholic elementary school as well? I am a Christian lad. Okay, well Till I wasn't, but you know. <laughs> What high, what was your high school? <laughs> it's Christ the King. Oh, Right. And it was initially one being built 
almost called Christ our King until they came out with the mock-ups for the t-shirts, which, well, guys, it was C-O-K on your chest. <laughs> um, so they, you know, ixnayed that one. A little, a little too sacrilegious, you know what I mean? They didn't want to bring that out of you. I went to a public elementary school, but I did go to a Catholic high school. And on our on our hearts, the Holy Cross with the initials SJC. Mm. I don't want to talk about high school. Can you top up my wine? <laughs> it's a delicious wine. Is that Black Key? Black Key? Black Cellar. Black Cellar, excuse me. It's quite nice. Actually, let's tell the people about Black Cellar. You want to top up my wine? Yep. Keep going. Fill her up. That's the end of the bottle, people. Okay. Ready to hear the name and description of the 13 asshole lads? Yes. I've ranked them. From least to most entertaining, in my personal opinion. Are you ready? Well, there's a build up to this. Yeah, like there's 13 of these fuckers, and they're Grilla, the grotesque giantess's children. Mm-hmm. And this is why I was laughing so hard because they're so stupid that it is hilarious. And I've ranked them from 13 to 1, 1 being my favorite. Okay, hit me with it. All right. 13. Skier Gobbler. Straight up, straight up just loves skier. I gotta ask what that is. So since we're in Iceland, skier is uh, essentially like sour yogurt. That, you know what? Not far off from what I thought he was. (laughs) So that's why he's number 13 because number one, yogurt is disgusting and if you eat yogurt straight up, and enjoy it. I'm worried about you. Yeah, and if you're out there and you're a sour girt oh. muncher. <laughs> oh, actually, also, um, Secure Gobbler, a.k.a. Sour Girt Muncher. Yep. <laughs> it's a little sour girt gobbler over there. Number 12, Window Peeper. A little freak who looks through windows in search of things to steal. <laughs> He's number 12 because... Fuck you, you peeping Tom. That's creepy as shit. Yeah, that is. I I don't know what I'd be more upset with. If I saw someone peeping in my window and it was a little little goblin like that. Or a little ghoul. Or if I woke up and I saw one just munching on some sour girt. I... Oh, it's the girt for me. No, it's the girt for me. That's why they're last. The window peeper, it's like, hey, you're a little small freak. I'll just punch you in the head. But Mm -hmm. like, still don't ever creep in someone's window or else oh. I promise you there's a gaggle of people who don't appreciate that and they'll beat you up. Yeah. Number 11, door slammer. A huge dick that likes to slam doors, especially during the night, waking people up. Rude. That's why it's number 11 because slamming doors is one of my biggest pet peeves. How juvenile are you that you've decided the way to express yourself is slamming doors? Yeah, and the other thing too is like it's aggressive aggressive. It's not passive aggressive, but it's the cowardliest way of being aggressive because you're doing it and then like isolating yourself. Exactly. Like there's no consequence to your action and like you can't face the person anymore. 
So I hate this little fucker. Yeah. This dick that just goes into your house and starts slamming doors. First yeah. of all, they're not even your doors. Second of all, don't slam doors unless you're like two. And even then, don't. Yeah, cut that shit out. Number 10, bowl liquor. Hides <laughs> under beds waiting to steal people's dishes. <laughs> under beds specifically hides under beds so that he can steal your dishes so in iceland there's like this i didn't put this in my notes but there's like this dish that they specifically refer to and it's like kind of a bowl but it's uh wooden and it has like a lid so i don't know if that's like if it's hinting to the fact that it maybe contains something that you wouldn't traditionally or typically eat throughout the year. So it's the Christmas time. Maybe it has like a really special yummy food in it. Mm. So you would store it in this dish and put the lid on it. Right. So he creeps around, waits under your bed to steal that dish. Oh, you know what? Like, <laughs> that's going to be a nightmare for like bachelors, especially or, or, or those uh, frat houses or something where they just keep their dishes in their room and boom, all your shit's gone. But how how fucking rude. Yeah, we're only Keep... at, that was the number 10. Number nine. Ooh. Okay, we had bowl liquor as number 10. What do you think number nine is? Um, spoon liquor. Oh. <laughs> it's spoon liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what he does? Well, he likes spoons. Yes, he's, and, and he just, oh, he gets he, right in there. He steals them. He steals them and licks them. Number eight, pot scraper. He steals leftovers from pots. <laughs> what? Why? Why is he a scraper though? Because he's got to get in there. He's got to get every last morsel of it. He has to commit to the name. He's pot scraper. You know what? I bet. I bet one of the like shitty byproducts of that as well is I bet he scrapes it and takes the non-stick off the pan, off the pots. Are you calling me out? I am calling you out right now, Brianna. Number seven, candle stealer. He follows children to steal their candles. My candles? <laughs> Not my candles. Okay. Shit. I should have put this in the notes, but I didn't. So like whenever... This lore was rather prevalent. Candles were made out of a material. Oh, God damn it. I forget the name. I think it's called Vallow. And it was edible. So okay. since these little freaks just live in a cave and they're hard up, he would follow kids home and steal their candles because you could you could eat them. You know, that's akin to you, the kid you would see at school eating chalk. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I hear you. Did I tell you about the kid that eats chalk? Yep. Yeah, the kid that eats chalk and his his explanation is it's the same as Tums. Yes, and I'm a good person and I won't call him out by name, but if anyone is listening, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Number six, Gully Gawk. Guess what he does? He hides in gullies, waiting to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Brianna, I was never going to guess that. <laughs> oh, we're at I thank number you six. for the opportunity. We're at number six, and we have a weird little 
freak who's hiding in gullies waiting to sneak into the cow shed and steal the milk. It's creative as shit, though. <laughs> the gully gulk. Gully gawk. Gully gawk. Gully gawk. Yeah. Number five. Stubby. He's abnormally short. He steals pans to eat the crust left on them. That's just a real life person. <laughs> You're out there. You know you are. Stubby. Stubby, number five. Stubby. You hear us? Number four. Meat hook. He uses a hook to steal meat. That's great, actually. I know. Yeah. I, I like know. that one. I like that I one. Also, okay, I don't know if it's just me, but like, do you ever get those moments when you're like really hungry and you literally just want to eat like a hunk of meat? Yeah, and it's just in the fridge. It could just, be. Mm. You hope it is. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck, I'm hungry. I just want like a big hunk of pork roast or something. Yeah, and you don't really like let me guess, there's not even an urge to like like let's say there's like ham. You don't even really necessarily want to take the effort to cut it into a I'm just gonna, adult slice. You just want to bite. Yeah, it. I'm gonna be straight savage with it. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna yeah. be I'm gonna be straight number four meat hook uses a hook to steal meat with it. Really taps into the human nature. I'm for it. I'm here for it. Number three, doorway sniffer. <laughs> oh my God, Dyson almost spit his wine out. <laughs> Guess what doorway sniffer does? First of all, doorway sniffer has an abnormally large nose and he has an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread. Oh, shit. you know what? I, I, Leaf bread, like Lord of the Rings kind of leaf bread? <laughs> no, that's llama spread. Oh. Okay. It's not the same at all, but it is just a special, clearly. Mm -hmm. I looked it up. Leaf bread is like a really like delicate bread that you would make, and you slice it up into like these really fine slices, and then you deep fry them. And it's made with like really basic ingredients, like flour, sugar, and it's kind of like... Here in Canada or North America, we would just have like sugar cookies or shortbread or something. It's like a simplistic kind of treat like that. And it's served around the holidays. Okay. You, you know what I love about this? I love the range of her kids. Just the level of ridiculousness that just runs the board. Because now you've got one that has a nose and a taste for the delicious sounding bread sounds like a delicacy it does sound really and then you got another one who's just deep throwing candles <laughs> and doorway sniffer is just looking for the the fucking bread and then you got meat hook who's like i'm here for your meats yep it's like arby's of the weird little creatures <laughs> <laughs> we've got the meats okay so the leaf bread guy was number three mm -hmm. so number two my second favorite Sheep coat clawed. He harasses sheep, but <laughs> get to it. Yeah, he harasses sheep, but he's impaired by his stiff peg legs. <laughs> oh no, what a tragedy for him! And that's the extent of what? it. No, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. He's a, he's impaired by no, his stiff peg legs. We don't know what the impairment is, but he's impaired. You can't give me harasses. That's all sheep, I have. Broad term harasses. <laughs> in what 
what exactly. kind of harassment? It's for the imagination. Oh, uh, I wish it wasn't. Peg legs, though. Like, what happened to poor sheep coat Claude that he has peg legs? We need context here. I hope the sheep got justice. That's what I think the context might be. I'm here like, we need context here, and I'm the one telling the story. Yeah. I got no context for you people. Yeah, you know what, though? But it, it, if you're coming at us telling us you want context to a sheep harasser. You know what? You're asking too much. I am great at context. Listen to episode two, part one and two. I give you all the details you need. This is a funner, lighter episode where we're literally talking about 13 weird ass ghouls. You want to come at me about context? Do it. Yeah. You know what? Do it. You girt muncher. Are you ready for number one? It's yes. my favorite. Yep. Sausage swiper. Hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. <laughs> That's my least favorite. Actually. It's my favorite. Sausage swiper. I'm scared of that one. Hides in the rafters. Yeah. Looking to snatch up those good old smoked sausages. Oh, that you know, that's a really kind of creepy. I love it. Oh, it gets me because oh, it is creepy. One of my core memories is watching. Whoa, um, talk about core memories you know, and what, bring in sausages. One of my core, me- yeah. <laughs> one of my core memories is being scared by this movie called Boogeyman, and there's literally just a scene in a hospital where a kid is just screaming, and they run in the room, and he's just staring at the attic as it closes and you don't know what it is because it's the boogeyman right but i got a lot of attics i'm scared shitless of that so if it's a sausage swiper just creeping up there waiting to snag your sausage i don't like that are attics and rafters the same thing though in my mind i mean to back then you think they had attics they probably had rafters over here we don't have rafters we got attics i'm surprised they even had houses yeah they're huts And caves, obviously, they've got. Well, caves. they live in caves that come out during this creepy Yuletide to fuck with people, steal their sausages, swipe their meats, and eat their leaf bread. So yeah, that concludes the thirteen weird little freaky lads, Yule lads. Fuck. Who is your favorite? Who is your favorite? Lads, it's still the Gert Muncher. It's the <laughs> Gert Muncher. My least favorite. I, you know what? It's because he's the <gasps> underdog for me because. It's so specific. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's why I hate it. I get it. You know what? It was to me, if I was going to pick it, it was either going to be my favorite or my least favorite. But to me, like, I'm imagining that just like this is his thing and he's just running with it. Like, It's and clearly he, his thing. It's so he's, specific. He's given the shittiest straw. He's eaten fucking sour, sour yogurt. yogurt. And but you know what? He's He's still part of the lad's. Still one of the spooky lads, but he's working with Gert. Come on. That guy's working. That's your favorite? That's my favorite. His name is uh, Gobbler. I don't have a really good Icelandic accent, so everyone just tell me it was good. Loved it. So those are the 13 creepy, weird little Yule lads of like... The typical old school kind of folklore. But in modern times, the Yule Lads are depicted in a more benevolent way instead of being such little assholes. And uh, they're kind of like comparable to Santa. And typically they're portrayed wearing late medieval Icelandic clothing. So 
in regards to like Icelandic, you know, sort of like Christmas fairs or markets or parades or whatever. Yeah. You'll see the yeah. weird little 13 Yule lads marching around just looking like cute little mini Santas. Whereas in the old school days, the OG days, they were little assholes who stole your meat, ate your girt, and creeped through your window, yeah. among a lot of other things. Yeah. All right, now let's leave Iceland and head over to Eastern Europe. Right. You know, I love me some tinsel. Well, the legend of the Christmas spider is an Eastern European folktale which explains the origin of tinsel on Christmas trees. Oh. It is most prevalent in Western Ukraine, where small ornaments in the shape of spiders are traditionally a part of Christmas decorations, and they're usually made of paper and wire. Okay. The story goes, a poor, hardworking widow lived in a small hut with her children. One summer day, a pine cone fell on the dirt floor of their hut and took root. The widow's children cared for the tree, excited by the idea that they might have a Christmas tree by winter. The tree grew, but when Christmas Eve arrived, they couldn't afford to decorate it. The children sadly went to bed and fell asleep. Early the next morning, they woke up and saw that the tree was covered with cobwebs. When they opened the windows, the first rays of sunlight touched the webs and turned them into gold and silver. The widow and her children were overjoyed. From then on, they never lived in poverty again. The exact origins of this folktale are unknown, but it is believed to have come from either Germany or Ukraine. But I'm inclined to believe that it was the Ukraine since this whole tale has been notoriously being told in western ukraine so i feel like it's another example of germany just kind of maybe trying to take credit in germany poland and ukraine finding a spider or a spider's web on a christmas tree is considered good luck so the tradition of using tinsel is said to be because of this story and the good luck tinsel will bring you it may be based on an older european superstition about spiders bringing good luck and how it's bad luck to destroy a spider's web before the spider is safely out of the way. Since the folklore involved Christmas trees, fun fact about them, Christmas trees date back to when pagans celebrated the winter solstice. They would use branches of evergreen trees to bring life to their homes during the dull winters as a reminder of the upcoming spring. Oh. Yeah. There is so much Christmas folklore. I just chose the two that I liked the most. But here are some honorable mentions. Are you ready? Yeah. So I have two. The first one. Norwegians believe that evil spirits and witches come out on Christmas Eve. So people hide all the brooms in their households to keep them from flying away or being stolen. Okay, that's reasonable. <laughs> to this day. Yeah, that's reasonable. Two. Catalan's Kego Tio 
which means defecating log. Uh, you know when something's just too easy and you just hesitate to say anything? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, Kego Tio is a tradition from the Catalan region of Spain where families create a character out of a log and that log sits on their dining room table. The family feeds it nuts, sweets, and fruit every day leading up to Christmas Eve. That night, the family takes sticks and beats the log to make it quote-unquote excrete its treats all while singing a traditional Christmas song. Oh my god. So poops out all the stuff it gave that they gave them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here you go, kids. That's an honorable mention. That's that's a hell of an honor. As a semi-true crime podcast, what type of host would I be if I didn't mention some quote-unquote famous? cases that took place around Christmas. Yeah. The most well known is John Benet Ramsey. Mm. So John Benet Ramsey's nineteen ninety six Christmas murder caused enormous waves around the world. And to this day, the six year old's murderer has never been identified. Many people believe John Benet's parents took her life. Some blame her older brother. There's also been accusations of a stalker and local child molesters being responsible. There's two cases I plan to cover one day, so here's a preview of both of them. Joanna Yates disappeared a week before Christmas in 2010 and made local news almost immediately, but national interest took hold quickly. On Christmas Day, her body was found in the snow three miles from home. Number two, Christy Bamu was only 15 when he was tortured and drowned in a bath by his own family member and their boyfriend on Christmas Day 2010 when the couple finally killed poor Christy after a brutal four days of torture. When his body was found, more than 130 separate injuries were counted. Jesus. Isn't that fucked up? That is absolutely fucked up. It's horrible. Yeah. So like... I do plan on covering um, both of these, Joanna Yates and Christy Bamu. Okay. So I didn't want to give away too much, but they both happened around Christmas time. And mm-hmm. they are horrendous. A little little nod to them, but and we'll, both happened, we'll do them justice. Exactly. Yeah. And both happened in 2010. So like, I don't know, maybe we got to get Steph on those episodes to explain to us what the fuck was happening in 2010. Yeah, Jesus, what star aligned for that? Fucking clusterfuck. She'll be able to tell us. Yeah, she will. Yeah. So on that dark note, here's some fun Christmas facts to wrap it up. Bring it on up, boys. All right. First of all, stockings. According to legend, St. Nick dropped a bag of gold down the chimney for a poor man who couldn't afford a good Christmas for his daughters. On Christmas Eve, the girls had hung their freshly washed stockings to dry by the fire, and the gold ended up dropping into a stocking. 
Oh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so that's why to this day, I guess, uh, stockings continue as a sort of tradition for Christmas. As they should. That's a great origin story. Black Friday. Not actually the busiest day to shop. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. North America hosts a population of procrastinators. Hmm. Because the most chaotic days of the year are actually the Friday and Saturday before Christmas. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Isn't that insane? So if you're like someone who isn't really like feeling that rushed, busy vibe. Yeah. Get your shit done early. Mm. I mean, this isn't really helpful since it's December 20th, but like you should have had your shit together. Yeah. You're getting guilt tripped right now be honest all of my stuff is done even before december so yeah well join the club mm. wreaths the christmas wreath was first originated as a symbol of christ the holly represents the crown of thorns jesus wore at his crucifixion and the red berries stand for the blood he shed yeah i see that one okay his An interesting one. Decorating. In America, an estimated 14,700 people visit emergency rooms through November and December each year for holiday-related decorating accidents. Oh, my God. So they go, like, straight up, Clark Griswold. Yeah, dangling (laughs) on their roof. And they get injured and they have to go to the hospital. Isn't that wild? I swear, doctor, I fell on that nutcracker. And lastly, mistletoe. Mm-hmm. Mistletoe is an ancient symbol of fertility and virility, and the Druids considered it an aphrodisiac. They've been eating it? Um, I don't know. Well, gnawing on that mistletoe? Gnawing on mistletoe just yeah. to get a little taste yeah, of that aphrodisiac? Dyson. Yes. Do you have any Christmas traditions? I like to decorate the you. Christmas tree and um, like to sing to the Christmas tree. Do you actually decorate? Okay, no. Do you and your family have any Christmas traditions? We give gifts. That's that's about it. It's really, really cut and dry for us. That's it. What do you have? Well, it's a little bit more exciting than that. So, like, on Christmas Eve, we always have, like, a huge, delicious family dinner. And we usually watch Christmas Vacation on Christmas Eve. And my mom always gives me and my siblings um, new pajamas so that we have new pajamas to wear on Christmas morning. Nice. I don't care that I'm 27. It's still a tradition that happens. And then every Christmas day, we have a huge breakfast and we usually watch a Christmas movie while we do a gift exchange. And typically we watch a Christmas story. And then, yeah, we conduct our little gift exchange. Oh, nice. Okay, so I have a few Christmas festive recommendations. So if you want to read a story, 
I suggest The Turn of the Screw by Henry James, which if any of you have watched um, The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix, it is loosely based on The Turn of the Screw. And that's Christmassy because in the story, they do that typical sort of Victorian-esque vibe where they all gather around like a fireplace and listen to a spooky story. So if you want that sort of vibe for Christmas, I suggest reading The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. And then The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Of course. Takes place during December. It's a great spooky read. And then for movies, if you are someone who doesn't really care for reading or needs to kind of have that whole atmosphere where you dive in and watch a really good Christmas movie, here's my personal favorite Christmas movies. Die Hard. Right. Duh. Of course. That's like the best. Just Friends. If you want a more like light comedy vibe, it's got um, Amy Smart and Ryan Reynolds. It's really funny. Anna Ferris has an appearance in it too. If you are more of like a spooky straight up horror movie fan, dive right into Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. But not the like remake, I don't know, it came out like a few years ago. You gotta do the OG nineteen seventy four Black Christmas. Yeah, I had no idea there was a remake. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. A few years ago it came out. Uh Deck the Halls and No Explanation Needed, Danny DeVito. Of course. Gremlins. I think that one's lost on some people. That's a Christmas movie. Really? Same with Batman Returns and Eyes Wide Shut. So Batman Returns. I know it's like, that doesn't seem like a Christmas movie, but the whole movie takes place during like the whole Christmas season. Yeah. So like the whole time that you're watching it, you do get that vibe. And I love that as a Christmas movie. Same with Eyes Wide Shut. A lot of people haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, but it's a Kubrick film. It is amazing. Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, whole thing, same vibe. Happens around the Christmas season. Great movie. And then typical ones like Bad Santa and Scrooged. That's my recommendation for Christmas movies to watch. Oh, nice. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Dark Adaptation. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Dark Adaptation Podcast and check out the amazing website we built, darkadaptationpodcast.ca, where you can comment on the episodes and even buy us a coffee if you want. Thank you, Dyson, for producing our podcast and being a special guest on today's show. My pleasure. And to everyone else, have a spooky Christmas and we'll catch you on the dark side. Are in the reference of the... Okay, whoa, whoa. Yeah, oh. Skirt. Scary ghost stories. So those that blah, 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 blah. Mm. Wow, that really did re- reverse the tape right there. I'm seeing it right before my eyes. Amazing. I was saying. Should I sing? Should we? You should definitely sing. I, I did. Yeah. Was it good? I loved it. It was like my Mariah Carey album. It's my ringtone. <laughs>